yeah yeah today's class uh, i'm not taking you into the into the next text or anything of the sort right but we just going to talk about what exactly is this whole bit that we're doing okay though we've talked about the idea of uh the limitations of uh trevelyan's kind of social history right yeah so we actually will talk about the idea of the social history from the idea of chaucer to caxton to the tudors right and of course actually we when we are talking it about it to the tudors we are, we are actually have to talk about what happens in the historical development also right yeah which some of which trevelyan has talked about right but what happens when we talk about the idea of the cloisters the the convents and the uh the monasteries being raided by henry the eighth right what happens over there right what happens when the uh the gold from the churches are taken and henry the eighth uh, uh takes them and later they return right yeah so all these things become an important issue right uh historical at one level and also social at another level right so when we talking about the age of chaucer right we are talking about feudal society and we have a feudal society not actually on its last rounds but we have some amount of movement in the feudal society right yeah because what happened over there is you still have a feudal society you still have a medieval church right which doesn't want to change right and the change comes in from europe right the change comes in because people like chaucer have gone to europe right yeah so that's one of the things that happens right and the uh, the whole idea of the isolation of chaucer's england is not talked about too much right yeah and uh, we have also the idea of uh, uh we also have the idea of uh the people the local people and the way they live and the way they communicate with each other right and the idea of the systems that are in place right up to the village level right at one level you have the remnant of roman culture which is there right the idea of roman law which is there right the idea of the latinate kind of culture which is there right and we have at least two levels of culture or two levels of society which have come in or three levels actually right first we have pre christian roman uh, structures which are there right and uh, that's in accounting bookkeeping uh, maintenance of registers right uh, for births and deaths and all those kind of things right the idea of uh, the idea of the census is an old roman idea right and it's a technology uh, which we all operate with right so when we're talking about uh, the idea of chaucer we have uh, this idea of roman structure right which is already there and we have bits and pieces of that which are still prevalent right now one of the ideas of the roman uh, occupation right is also the idea of the idea of the city right 
the idea of the civitas or the idea of what is it meant to be a citizen right now that's an idea which still stays for a long time in what you call the roman uh, empire right uh, the british uh, uh, isles right and certainly in this place which we are talking about calling it right now at that point in time you have still scotland you have still wales right you have still all these kind of uh, island right yeah so you have all these elements which are very important right so you have different kinds of kingdoms right and they are not even kingdoms right uh, there may maybe loose dukedoms which are around the place right and a large chunk of it uh to the south of the Brit uh, south uh east of the british isles is what is called england right yeah so you might like to look at that and you might like to look at the fact that this is the piece of land which is very very small right it's much smaller than britain and i don't even think britain is the size of gujarat right yeah so map wise right so this is a very small kind of uh, a little country yeah and we're talking about a very little country and maybe that's one of the reasons which it's uh, okay to talk about it right because uh, we have a lot of data about it which uh, is old right but it's still preserved right and it's preserved uh, and people like Chaucer are already talking about it and they have enough to write poetry about right which is a very important kind of phenomenon that is taking place at that point of time right so when we're talking about the social history we are actually talking about the feudal england right we're talking about the loose kind of systems that they have right we're talking about the idea that you have the lord of the manor right who is a kind of a, uh, who is actually there from some amount of time yeah uh, sorry i have to take the bell right whoever that is So we are talking about uh, the whole idea of um, what were we say? We were talking about uh, the idea of a loose kind of structure to the idea of England, right? Though there is a feudal structure which is in place, right? Yeah, and by and large, most people would agree with the fact that the feudal structure. is very rigid right yeah and uh, it's perhaps according to trevelyan it's on its last legs right 
because you find that people uh, are slowly moving away from that, right? Yeah. So when we're talking about crosses England, why do you have this idea of a pilgrimage, right? Yeah, that's what Chaucer is noted for, right? And is it right, that's an issue that came up yesterday, is it right for us to talk about the idea of uh, Chaucer's England, right? Chaucer is a writer, right? But why do we talk about Chaucer's England and we don't talk about the kings, right? Yeah, because the idea of kingship is again somewhat hazy and it's not from what we know today of the Tudors, right? So we, if you look back from the Tudors, right? Uh, that's when actually uh, the formation of the king, the, uh, the kind of consolidation of power is takes place to some extent, right? Yeah. And we must look at it from even a later period. That's the Stuart period. That is after James the first, right? Yeah. And after that, you have uh, the uh, after James the first, you have other houses which come in, right? Like the House of Hanover and all those kind of things, which is already into what you call uh, the solidarity of the uh, of the British uh, uh, country, right? Yeah, and it's also joined with Scotland because with James the first, you have one ruler between England and Scotland, right? Yeah, and of course they were given a chance quite recently, and unfortunately uh, they thought, no, we've stayed with Britain for so long, and we'll stay with Britain, though we can form our own kind of government, right? Yeah, and this is after more than 500 years, right? Or, or almost 500 years, somewhere there, right? You're already saying that, well, let's divide, okay? And that was a referendum, right? Yeah, which we have haven't given to Jabu and Kashmir, right? Yeah, so we and we were supposed to do that, uh, but in India, from the time of Nehru till today, has not had the guts to do that, right? Yeah, uh, and that's a bad idea, right? Because when we had the referendum in Scotland uh, not very long ago, right, everybody uh, thought that they would stay with the British Isles, right? And now, when they have Brexit, right? They're thinking again of separating from England, right? Because they wanted to stay with the European Union, right? And England and the vote, uh, the the, uh, the combined vote, actually meant that uh, the vote is shaky, right? Uh, two votes or three votes, right? That kind of difference is taking place, right? And the Brexit thing isn't something that they want, right? So uh, we are talking about formations, state formations, right? And when we're talking about Chaucer's England, there's a very loose idea of what it's called to be English, right? There's a loose idea of what it's called to be a part of the English country, right? It's a very loose idea of what you call to be the English nation, right? Yeah, all those things, of course, when you talk about a nation, a nation is known only by its enemies, right? Yeah, and that's why we have to keep talking about Pakistan, we have to keep talking about China, we have to keep talking about all these people because that gives us that definition, right? Yeah. So the English are known for the idea that, well, we have to fight the idea. Yeah. So actually you go back to Bodicea and much before this period that we are talking about, we are talking about how local people 
try to fight the uh, the colonizers, that is the Romans, right? Uh, and uh, uh, slowly, what happens is the Romans are good colonizers. They've colonized Egypt. They've col uh, colonized uh, Palestine. They've colonized hundreds of other places. Yeah, uh, and uh, they uh, have actually perfected the art of running colonies. But of course, they're not like the colonies that we have in the 20th century, right? Uh, or even in the 19th century and even before that, right? Yeah, because uh, when we come to the 19th century, we're talking about not modern technology and you can run a country from as far as England, right? Uh, to the Falkland Islands and to India, right? So the Falkland Islands is in South America, right? Of course, the Spanish did that, but they were a settler colony in uh, the Spanish and the Portuguese were settler colonies in what you call uh, uh, South America, right? Yeah. So Brazil is a settler colony, right? So you get people have settled and uh, they have not gone back to uh, their Portuguese homeland, though they speak Portuguese, right? Here you have in uh, you have in Argentina and other parts of Latin America many Europeans who have settled down. Some have married the local people, right? And settled down, right? So that kind of colonization, uh, if you talk about the Mughal Empire, right? Uh, that's a settler colony again, right? Where the traces of where you came from are eventually erased, right? Yeah, and of course it might live in the language. It might live in the culture, right? Uh, like we have biryani and we have uh, jalebis and we have all these kinds of things, right? Yeah, which is something that comes and of course the rhythms of the language from the Persian and the Arabic that's come into a, a cup over here and maybe a lot of uh, furniture, right? Or uh, knives and uh, weapons of war, all those kind of things might have come in with a lot of different people coming in, right? Yeah. So the idea of the settler colony is something that's important, but uh, what happens is the Romans uh, in some ways uh, are a settler colony, right? And when the uh, final collapse comes, you have a new system of the Roman Empire in place, which is what you call the Holy Roman Empire, right? Yeah, and that takes us so there's no problem about the Holy Roman Empire because by the time we come to Chaucer, we already uh, uh, there's a lot of conversion of the people, right? And the old kind of pagan religions have all disappeared, right? They've all been amalgamated into first the Roman system because uh, you say that your gods and my gods are the same kind of gods, right? That's happened between the Romans and the Greeks. That happened within the Greeks and the Romans, uh, the Egyptians and the Romans, right? And that happens again when uh, probably that happens, or we don't know what happens when uh, the the local uh, people who are Jutes and Saxons and Angles and all those kind of Vikings, etc., all those tribes, right, who are uh, settled on the English island, right? What happens to them, and how do they how are they converted to Christianity? And that is a long, long process because before Christianity was established, uh, the Romans were already in Britain, right? Yeah, and that's from the time of Julius Caesar, right? So uh, we have a long history of, uh, of colonization, and we have also the idea of one race colonizing another, and you have the Irish 
were put, pushed away from uh, the eastern coast of England to the western coast of England, right? So I think that's again something that's important for us to look at, right? When we are talking about the Irish, right? And uh, uh, so uh, we also have the idea that uh, we are actually dealing with more complicated uh, kind of uh, systems, right? So uh, the colonization is there, and then we have the Battle of Hastings, right? That's not very much before Chaucer, right? But it's enough, okay, to actually see that uh, French is Norman French is spoken, right? Yeah, and that that too, they're a secular colony, right? They're not people who are colonizers who stay far away from the colony and go back, right? The Romans knew that with Egypt, right? And that's why they were not able to keep that kind of colonization alive, right? Yes, yeah, so you have uh, the killing of a lot of Roman uh, people, right? You have, yeah, so that's something that keeps, keeps happening, right? And uh, the colonization of the Romans uh, is not very easy because you're talking about the cultural difference because you have a European uh, kind of culture and you have uh, the Middle Eastern kind of culture and that becomes uh, a huge kind of problem for uh, controlling a uh, uh, kind of, uh, what's you call, uh, a, a kind of race, okay, a different culture, right, and one culture is trying to control them and they're also quite successful, right, yeah, because uh, these are Hellenized Jews, right, uh, they're Hellenized Egyptians, right, that is, they're very, very uh, Greek, right, and they've actually absorbed a lot of culture and that's the first place actually where you have uh, the uh, the port of Alexandria, right? Uh, the yeah, so you have a big kind of city uh, and the library in Alexandria and the idea of Alexandria is already Greek, right? Yeah, so they've been colonized by first the Greeks, then they've been colonized by the Romans and that's the Egyptians, right? So the idea of colonization is something that has been with them for a long period of time, right? Yeah, and uh, of course uh, the Greeks and the Romans were not settler colonies, maybe some of them settled down, but uh, uh, they are still very close by, right? So Greece and Egypt are not very far away, they're just across the Mediterranean Sea, right? But at that point of time, maybe they thought that it was far away, and the Mediterranean Sea was also thought of as a rough kind of war, right? Yeah, so you have a lot of sea battles, you have all, all those things that happen, right? And that's uh, very many years, that's about 2,000 years ago, right? Uh, before, uh, yeah, uh, 2,000 years ago, right? Yeah, so that's again at the time of Julius Caesar and little after that, right? Yeah, so when you look at all these developments that take place, and then of, of course, after a long time, you have uh, the Arabs coming in and coming into Egypt and uh, uh, with Islam, right? Yeah. So you have uh, all those kind of things also happening, which happens in Egypt, right? But when we're talking about what happened in England, you have the colonization first of all by the Romans, and then uh, a colonization by what we call the Normans, right? And that's from 1066. So from 1066. Uh, to uh, 1266, right? 
there's a 200 year period where you have French being the language of the courts. Like in India, we had Persian being the language of the courts, and now English is the language of the courts, right? Yeah, the English have already gone away, right? And till the British came, Persian was still the language of the courts, right? Even though the, there were no real Persians, yeah, right, who were the rulers, right? Shivaji's court was Persian. So you might like to think about how much of influence the language, the culture had on uh, us today, right? We can't erase that, right? You might like to erase it, you might pretend to erase it, but you can't erase these kinds of very subtle things that happen over a long period of time, right? Yeah, so the idea of Romanaissance or the idea of being a Roman, right, or being a citizen, right, and uh, being a part of the Roman Empire, that's something that, again, is a trace that is left on the uh, the consciousness or the the psyche of what is called uh, Britain, right? Yeah, because that's something that was long ago and it lasted for quite some time till it got transformed into the Holy Roman Empire, right? But of course, we also have the Norman Conquest, right? And the Norman Conquest, I don't know whether it was as stringent and as complicated or maybe more, right, than the Roman kind of uh, conquest, right, yeah, and uh, the, the idea of the courts, etc., being in Norman uh, French, right, and a lot of local people speaking Norman French has left also the trace to, uh, uh, on the English language and on the English psyche, right, so you're talking about 200 years of uh, French rule, right, and we are almost 200, almost 300 years of English rule here in India, right? And we can see that 70 years has not erased the British culture, right? Yeah. Of course, we are talking at a different time. We have technology which keeps all these things alive, right? But the structures that the British kept in place, right? Even now, have not been demolished, right? And in fact, uh, uh, with our present government, we are probably becoming more colonial than we did in the colonial times, right? Because the structures they're using uh, and the laws that they're using are colonial laws, right? So I think uh, we need to think about how structures operate, how society operates, right? And uh, the idea of the law, the idea of who's ruling, what is the law, that's a political, we like to call it political, but then the question is, what are the policies that work on the people, right? Yeah, when you have a French government, the language changes, right? The language in Rome changes, right? Now, by the time they have the House of Hanover, that's in the 18th century, right? Yeah, and you get the Germans who are the rulers, right? By that time, uh, you can't impose German on English, though in, in English is uh, Indo-Germanic language, right? Yeah, and the structures of German are there in the language already. Right, because uh, that's called Anglo-Saxon, right? And Saxony is in Germany, right? But when you actually have uh, the the German monarchs, right, because of the uh, lineage or the right of kings and the the divine lineage or the whatever that is, the royal lineage, right? So you had to have German uh, kings coming in, right? Yeah, and that's when uh, you get a lot of criticism, and that's at a much much later date, right? So. In the time of Chaucer, all these things 
whether the king was really important, how important was the king, right? All those kind of questions are thrown up today, right? We know about uh, Edward that uh, we're talking about Edward the Third, right? Yeah, that's the kind of king. Uh, that's the king who was there at Chaucer's time, right? Yeah, and of course we know about Edward the Second, right? That's Edward the Third's father, right? Yeah, of course uh, the uh, the movie that we talked about that is Greystroke. Hello, Pallavi Ben, my class me who? बाद में हाँ हाँ क्लास होने का बाद में या सो वी ऑलरेडी टॉक्ड अबाउट द आइडिया ऑफ या व्हाट वाज़ आई सेइंग वी ऑलरेडी टॉक्ड अबाउट द आइडिया ऑफ द रोमन्स सॉरी वे बोल लाइक एवरी टाइम समरी डिस्टर्ब मी अगेन वेरी अपसेट कैन समरी रिमाइंड मी व्हाट आई सेड या क्विकली yeah, we talked about the French, right? We talked about the Germans, right? And we're talking about in Chaucer's time, you don't have this kind of sovereign state that you have at this point of time, right? Yeah, because in Chaucer's time, uh, yeah, you have yes, we were talking about Edward the Third, right? And Edward the Third uh, today, you have movies which are talking about maybe Edward the Third was actually the son of. Uh, uh, the guy called uh, who was called Brevart, uh, Walsh, right? Yeah, and uh, that's that's something that uh, is legend, right? Or we don't have historical proof, and these are just suggestions made by uh, a person who's writing a movie, right? Or uh, writing the movie script, right? So that's something that uh, is interesting for us, right? But at the same time, uh, we have also the idea of Edward II and Edward I, right? And we know that Edward I actually fought wars with the Scots, right? And uh, you all, yeah, so we, we definitely know about that, right? And we know that Edward I was a kind of a very strong leader and a very strong ruler, right? Yeah, who uh, actually uh, gets, had a battle with Scotland has a tension, the Irish join him against Scotland, right? All those kind of things we already know, right? Yeah, and we're talking about that and we're also talking about the idea of uh, the idea of Edward III, right? Who uh, actually suffers a lot of trauma, right? Because his father, Edward II, okay, the, the supposed father, Edward II, or the, the rightful father, Edward II, whichever way it is, right? Uh, what he is killed as a homosexual, right? And he's put to death, right? Yeah, so all those kind of things uh, are not very comfortable at a personal level, right? For Edward III, right? Yeah, and what is interesting and what is important is uh, also that uh, Edward III is largely a, a quite a prosperous kind of rule, right? Yeah. And uh, that's something else that you might like to think of, right? Because uh, if you have a stable government, right, uh, then you can prosper or the country can grow, right? And that's why possibly when we're talking about Chaucer and the age of Chaucer, right, uh, this is something that is very important, right? Because 
you can have somebody writing a poem like the Canterbury Tales uh, with, within a kind of a peaceful paradigm, right? Because if your country was really in such dire straits, so the historical and what Trevelyan says is probably uh, really true, right? That is, when we're talking about uh, uh, the idea of Chaucer's Day, right? Uh, unless you have a very stable kind of structure, right? You can't have people writing poetry, right? Yeah, and the idea of this kind of vivacity of life, which you see in Chaucer's Canterbury Tales and other writings, right? That couldn't have happened, right? At least that's what we think as uh, what we call uh, literature people, right? Yeah, we're talking about. Uh, you need some kind of stability in a system, right? To write, even if you write against the government, right? Uh, it still has to be a stable system, right? Where there's enough of freedom to write, yeah? So the idea of talking about the jolly Englishman, okay? And giving you a kind of a catalog of the different types of people that exist, right? In the Canterbury Tales, that means uh, the, the system was not really as horrible as all that, right? Of course, when we're looking at the social system, and Trivillian does quite a good job, right? He's actually talking about the clergy, the feudal age, right? We're talking also, there is a little bit about the idea of dress, right? And I think when we're talking about a social history, we have to talk about the dress of people, right? And uh, he talks about the kind of robes that they wore. Yeah, and now that's important for us when we're talking about the social history, right? Yeah, and maybe uh, some of it is also uh, given by Chaucer in the Canterbury Tales when he's talking about Madame Eilantin, when he's talking about the wife of Bath, when he's talking about the summoner and the partner and the knight and all this kind and the clerk of Oxenbourne, right? So he's actually talking about different kinds of people, right? And he's actually giving you an idea of the social uh, matrix of the people, right? Yeah, and that is for us very important because uh, that's one of the accounts that we have, though we have the other accounts that Chaucer is bringing up when he's talking about uh, uh, that Trivillian is bringing up, when he's talking about marriage systems, etc. Right? I wish he had given us a little more about the wife of Bath. Right? I wish he had given us a little more about uh, the idea of marriage and how you had to have a marriage inside the church and outside the church and you have had a, a social marriage. Right? So when you actually add up uh, uh, this woman called uh, the wife of Bath, right, has a number of marriages, right? Okay, yeah, Chaucer is talking about her uh, two or three marriages. So, so you have a number of marriages, and she might have had about six or seven marriages. I don't know what, how to calculate the sum, right? Because one is inside the church in Latin, one is outside the church in English, right? And there's a social marriage which also takes place, right? and she was married to two or three uh, different people. Right? So you'll have at least five or six marriages uh, uh, at least over there. Right? So uh, that's something that I think is a problem because 
we are talking about marriage systems and the idea of a marriage system was not really intact right it's probably because of the church right that you have the marriage system right yeah because the church insists on the marriage system right and that's when you have this idea of a foreign idea coming to britain right and uh, coming in as a way of the idea of a matrimonial alliance right from the romans and from the the christian world right so that becomes something that gets slowly established right so the idea of having a marriage right uh, getting recorded in the church right uh, that of course we have a lot of records right and i don't know whether we have records of marriages in the church till from the time of chaucer right so that kind of archival structure is something that uh, uh, england gives because of the romans right the idea of the documentation and all that is because of the romans right and maybe the french also were influenced by the roman structure because that they were also a part of the roman empire right even when they ruled uh, england and even after that right yeah so uh, everything uh, is uh, falls in line with the holy roman empire right so that what you get in your saint john yeah and uh, you begin to wonder do you have a division between england and france because all are under the roman empire right or the holy roman empire right so uh, that's one of the things that we look at right and we're talking about what is the trade of people right which is something that you already get in chaucer right and we're talking about how do people live how do people travel how do people dress right and what are the uh, the relationships between others right and you have the idea of the magical whether you talk about caxton or you talk about chaucer's age we have this idea of the magical and we have the idea of the the singing of songs and we have the idea of this idea of chance meeting and romantic love right yeah whether uh, we take chaucer or caxton right which is a little late right now when we talk about caxton we are also talking about the idea of technology though uh, uh, of course chaucer doesn't really talk about print technology and print capitalism right but in the age of chaucer we are already talking about how the feudal structure is slowly leading to what is called a capitalist structure right yeah and that is a kind of society which is changing and is changing from the grassroots because of things like the plague because of things like the uh, the wars in europe right and you get uh, a lack of population right and you get because of that you have people moving around right so that's something that you might like to think about right and you might like to dwell upon right yeah and uh, the idea is that uh, the idea of society moves on right and of course what chaucer is talking about is the idea of guilds which come up right and merchant guilds right at least in the age of uh, caxton right and of course uh, the question again is why a poet and why a printer and why not a king right because he's trying to write a social history right so he's taking uh, when you're talking about the age of chaucer right it looks as if that's a different kind of age but it's also saying that this is a settled down age because it's a settled down age somebody like chaucer can write poems right 
When you're talking about the age of Caxton, you can look at the shift that Trevelyan makes in talking about the idea of the stable, right? That's the stable kind of government or the stable kind of marketing and the organization of the market, right? And the organization of export and the organization of import, right? So that's something that changes and that's uh, a huge change that happens over a long period of time, right? So we get from the 13th, 14th century, yeah, onwards, we get a slow kind of change which is taking place as, uh, as per the markets, the idea of uh, uh, the idea of wool and being a wool manufacturing country and a clock, manuf clock man manufacturing country, right? So that's uh, an idea that we get, right? So you might like to think about what's going on over here, right? So the, the idea of a clock manufacturing country or wool manufacturing country, all those things are very important for us, right? Because that's how you get uh, the idea of the nation or what we call a nation is a later idea, right? Yeah. And uh, when we're talking about Trevelyan, he's talking with this hindsight, he's talking about the age of Chaucer, right? So if you like to look at uh, or critique uh, Trevelyan, right, we actually have this idea of the hindsight of the nation, right? Yeah. That is, nationalism is common, the idea of the nation is common, right? And the idea of the nation, uh, Trevelyan would like to think, is something that grows up from a domestic kind of position, right? And that, of course, is something that we have with German nationalism and the idea of uh, the nationalism of all these countries uh, like uh, Switzerland, etc. Right? Yeah. You have all those stories like William Tell, right? Where they're talking about the Swiss not having a na nation, okay, and they're pr passing through other people's countries and all those kind of things, right? Yeah. So these are legends that we have, right? Which we don't know if there's actual historical facts, but the idea is that the idea of the nation takes place much later and it's concretized much later. Maybe it's in slow formation on the ground, but it's concretized much later, right? And what Trevelyan is trying to do is try to give a structure to the idea of the nation from the vantage point of saying nationalism has taken place, right? This uh, And he's also got this idea that the Tudor age is over, the House of Hanover is over, all these kind of things, right? And uh, he's after all these ages, and he's talking about it from there, right? Yeah, so what is important is to say that, look, uh, these things were not there, right? Yeah, so when you're talking about England, yeah, you're talking about Britain as a nation, right? We're actually talking with hindsight, right? Yeah, but in the age of Chaucer, uh, Scotland was not a part of the nation, right? Scotland was at war in, with England, right? Yeah, the Welsh were at war with England, right? So all those things are happening over there and you have the idea of keeping your borders and putting things together, right? Yeah, and of course the Irish were uh, persecuted, okay? And they're being persecuted for at least 500 years, right? Today, right? Uh, more than 500 years, yeah? Right? Uh, so you all, you, we, this is what we have and this is the kind of map when we're talking about the political, right? Yeah? But then what is the political? The political is also that you had a feudal system where 
in you have your little armies which are protecting a small amount of people right now that when we see what Chaucer is written, uh, what Trevelyan is written about the age of Caxton, the idea of the army as private armies go, grows very much and you also have the king borrowing uh, the armies of private people because they don't have the king's men or they don't have an army at all, right? That's a very important thing, especially because when we come to the Tudors, we are talking about something that you get in a play by Shakespeare called Richard V, right? And whether it actually happens or doesn't actually happen is very interesting, yeah? Because you have this idea that the kings are uh, the people, right? Are selling off their lands and buying armor, right? So that they can join the military, right? Now that's, if actually, I think if Trevelyan had put that in, right, there would be a very important kind of position that we are talking about, right? The Trevelyan says that Shakespeare is able to imagine the age, right? Because these are a few uh, years before him, right? How much of a difference is there between Henry VIII, right, and uh, Elizabeth, right, yeah, and what happens with before Henry VIII and what happens to all the local kings, right, yeah, so uh, when we're talking about the idea of, uh, that uh, we are of Charles, of Henry V, right, yeah, we're actually talking about what is happening in the country, right, so when you read Henry V, please do, right, yeah, you have this thing that people are selling off their, their land and they're buying uh, uh, armor so that they can go and fight in war, right? So that means there is something called a demographic shift in the population, right? Yeah, and the idea is the interest of the people are changing, the identity of the people are changing, right? It's just like what happened in Maharashtra with this man called Shivaji, right? He took some hill tribes and converted them into a, a warlike race, right? Yeah, and yeah, and that's why you have the Maratha force, which really doesn't belong to a tribe, right? But now it's got this kind of a caste dimension today, right? Yeah, but what did Shivaji do? These were hill tribes, right? So he, ch he changed them, he converted them into a different kind of people, right? Yeah. And you find that same thing happening in England of Henry V, right? Yeah, at least in the play. And I don't think it's without uh, some amount of historical records, right? At least Holland Shed and other people would have written about that, right? Yeah, but uh, it's also important since we talked about the Renaissance yesterday and day before, right? That Shakespeare gets this idea of the Renaissance over there into the play because the idea is the statesman, scholar, soldier, uh, yeah, the statesman, scholar, soldier, right, yeah, uh, that's the three bits, or am I missing or something, yeah, you can remind me that, statesman, scholar, soldier, right, yeah, I think that's good enough, right, yeah, so all of them are together, right, that's the idea of Philip Sidney, and that's the idea of uh, Philip Sidney's idea when it comes to Hamlet, right, when Ophelia says, such a mind is here overthrown, right? Yeah, so statesman, scholar, uh, soldier, all wrapped in one, right? Yeah, so uh, 
uh, that's of course a renaissance idea in England, right? And uh, this is something which actually happens that people shift, right? So it's like when you have modern technology coming in, right? It's, we can't really compare it, right? But let's have a loose comparison, right? When you have uh, computers coming in, what happens to typists, right? The typists are selling off their computers for uh, the, the, the typewriters or not selling off the typewriters because they don't even get a market, right? And they shift to computers because it's faster, it's quicker, and people want accurate kind of writing without any mistakes, right? Yeah, so that's a shift over there, right? And people would, if they could sell the typewriters off, they would sell it and get a more advanced kind of computer which can help them to type very well, right? I'm giving you only one example, right? But we're talking about huge changes that are taking place in technology today, right? Yeah, but uh, at that point of time, you get this kind of a shift from the idea of the farmer becoming a soldier. That's in a Tudor period, right? But we also see that this shift takes place in Chaucer's day and in Caxton's day, right? And perhaps the process is complete by the time we finish with the Caxton's period, or maybe little remnants are still remaining because that's how history works, right? Everything is not delayed, and that's what we discussed, right? Everything is not deleted, everything is not erased, right? We might try to erase Akbar Road in Delhi, right? But we can't erase Akbar from our history. Uh, Akbar, no. What is it? Aurangzeb Road, right? Yeah. We can't erase Aurangzeb from a history, right? Good or bad, whatever he is, you can't erase him. You might like to call the road or not call the road by his name, right? Yeah, he didn't do it. Somebody else, the British did it for the idea of historical purposes, right? Yeah. So, uh, the, uh, so by and large, what you have is the slow transformation of the feudal system into a uh, uh, capitalist system, right? So the idea of economy is very important, right? And that's what maybe the Marxists talk about, right? How does feudalism change into capitalism, right? Yeah, so that's what we see actually on the ground when we're talking about the age of Caxton and we all talk about the age of Chaucer, right? And of course, when we talk about the Tudor period, we're talking about a lot of trouble around the place with the War of the Roses, right? And uh, it's still politically uh, a kind of non, uh, non, uh, non-sovereign England. Let's put it that way. It's not even sovereign, right? Because you have loose kind of uh, it's kind of petty lords who have become very powerful and got their own army and they're fighting. That's the idea that Trevelyan gives us, right? Yeah, whether it's right or wrong, that's a different story, right? But the idea is that you have all this kind of confusion, right? And as he says, when uh, Henry wins the war, right, uh, nobody is bothered about it, right? Yeah, uh, when uh, Henry, right? Yes, yeah, against Richard, right? Yeah, so uh, Richard the third, that's Henry the fifth, right? Or Henry the fourth, right? Yeah, so that's where you have you have a lot of uh, change. Pardon? He won the war against Edward III. Edward III. Henry VII was the one who started the Tudor dynasty, right? Yeah. 
but uh, sorry, sorry. no, but there's sorry. Henry. Yeah. So uh, there's fourth and fifth, right? So uh, Chaucer is talking about all that, right? So when you're talking about fourth and fifth and all that thing, right? You have huge walls, right? Yeah. And uh, even at that, so that is a little more consolidation of power, right? So uh, when we are talking about the social history, and we are talking about the church, right? And the church doesn't change in all these periods, right? And the church is very, very corrupt, right? And you have a lot of uh, licentious behavior among the priests and the bishops, right? Because even the church has not crystallized, right? Just remember that religions change, right? Uh, religious formations change, right? And it's only after the 16th century that you have the uh, the church organized much more than it was in this time, right? Yeah. So when we are talking about the history of England, we are also talking about the history of the church. Because just remember that Chaucer, uh, that uh, Julius Caesar, uh, is has colonized, uh, or the Romans have colonized. Uh, what is called Palestine, right? At that point of time, yeah, so Palestine is under Roman occupation, right? Uh, a colony of Rome, right? And England is also a colony of Rome, right? So that's before Christianity, and Christianity has its own trajectory of building up uh, in, in Europe, right? Yeah, so by the time it reaches England, right, it, uh, and it's, it keeps changing because the Roman Empire also keeps changing. Right? And the whole idea of the English question is also very important. The European question is something very important, right? Because you have the Vandals, you have the Huns, you have the uh, uh, whatever, uh, whatever. Uh, all the tribes of Europe, right? They're slowly amalgamated into this idea of the Roman Empire, right? And that takes a long period of time, right? Till they all form together. And uh, so you get... Uh, uh, Germany becomes Hun and uh, Frank and we are all all those kinds of uh, different kinds of uh, tribes become actually Europeans right and they're colonized or they're amalgamated into the Roman uh, system right yeah so uh, of course that's important because you get Romance languages coming from there right where they they have their own identity, right? And they break away, and that's towards the Middle Ages, though the Holy Roman Empire is still there, right? It's there till about 1875, right? Yeah, so till that time you have, uh, it's actually with Napoleon, right? That's in the 19th century that the Holy Roman Empire is uh, dismantled, right? And the only piece of the Holy Roman Empire that remains is the Vatican, right? Otherwise, uh, uh, Napoleon. I think that's when uh, you can draw a line and say, well, this is when actually the Holy Roman Empire gets out, right? So just imagine how many centuries of colonization by the Romans over here, right? And what happens in the in so much of colonization, right? We are talking about India today, right? We've had only 300 years of colonization, right? Or about that much, right? And what has happened is we've not been able to get rid of the idea of uh, of the systems of colonization, right? In fact, after the uh, English have gone off, we become more European, right, and more American, and we are talking about neo-colonialism, uh, in, in, including this thing called neoliberalism, right, which is what our present government 
and the earlier governments have put in place, right? Yeah, which is not was not there at the time of colonization, but this is neo-colonialism, right? And the whole idea of the neoliberal government, all those kind of things are what we have today, right? Yeah. So uh, uh, we go back and we talk about what happened as far as manufacturing was concerned, right? So manufacturing gets systematized in the time by the time of Caxton, right? Yeah, because of trade, because of the economic ties that you have, right? So you get a social structure around uh, manufacturing, right? And you get different kinds of job labels and different kinds of processes by which you go and have a, a, a perfect your trade and have a trade that is independent, right? So what happens over there is the formation of guilds, right? And the guild is a very important kind of formation. It's a workers' formation, right? And that is important because that's what sustains and supports the workers, right? So it's not in the 19, uh, 19th century and uh, early 20th century that we have the labor laws coming in, right? Now this is something that is interesting because it is from the idea of the guild that you slowly have a, a structure developing just like the feudal structure, right? The feudal structure develops, okay, when the Roman Empire is weak, right? Yeah, and slowly you have the feudal structure uh, coming up all over Europe and in England too, right? Of course, it might be different in other places, right? But that's uh, something that was very much a part of the structure, right? Yeah, and by the time we talk about Chaucer, we are already talking about a capitalistic structure coming in, right? And that's important because it means that uh, the social, uh, the social kind of systems change, right? Uh, please tell me when it's time, okay? I don't think it's time because I think I've got about ten or twenty minutes more, right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so when we're talking about the social structures from Chaucer to the Tudors, we are actually talking about what are things that happen. So, the formation of guilds, one, the idea of the king taking. Uh, interest in the idea of the stable that's giving people a stable price, right? And that's got something to do with export and import, right? So that becomes a complicated kind of structure, right? Which has an impact on the guild, right? And it has also an impact on the, the rural life because the people who manufacture the wool hardly get very much, right? And then slowly they are able to push their demands and say, well, the people who are marketing the wool are getting all the price for doing uh, very little compared to us. Not that it's not important, right? But that's how the manufacturers actually feel, right? Yeah. So that's why the idea of pushing the price, trying to get a better price for your product. Today in India, we're talking about the minimum standard price, right? Yeah. And we're talking about that in the light of the agriculturist or we are talking about that in the question of farmers, right? Minimum support price, right? Now this is something that happens in Caxton's day already when uh, the wool manufacturers or the sheep, uh, uh, the sheep herders uh, or the sheep, uh, yeah, the sheep owners, right? Whoever they are, right? And uh, the, the idea of uh, collecting the wool, uh, sharing the, the sheep, right? Uh, putting that together 
making it into cloth, all those kind of things keep happening, right? And a very important kind of distinction that takes place is that uh, you have initially wool which is sold as raw wool which is exported, right? And uh, slowly what happens is the raw wool becomes cloth, right? So the export of cloth is more important in the course of time than raw wool, right? Now we are talking about from the, the, the roots everything has changed, right? It's not from somebody is imposing it upon them, it's like uh, the Roman law coming and imposing itself upon it with the census and all that kind of thing, right? Uh, or the church coming and imposing itself upon people and getting a morality and getting a religion onto people, right? So that's a different kind of formation, right? But this is what is happening from within the, uh, and this is how the social formation is changed, right? So that idea of the social is the idea of people coming together, right? Yeah, and of course, the idea of poetry is important in the social formation, right? Of course, he's not given us too much about the dances and he's not given us too much about food, though he's talked about the idea of what was uh, sold, what was eaten, what was... So, the question of marketing sheep and goats, uh, sheep and uh, cows and uh, pigs, right? That was something that was uh, consumed, right? And of course, he's also saying that there were a lot of people who went hunting and got wild game and ate it, right? Wild boar or uh, uh, ducks or wild birds and pheasants and all those kind of things, right? So we're talking about the food as far as we're talking about the social uh, movements, right? Yeah, so that's something also which you have to think about, right? And it's only later that we have this idea of the charter and that's as late as the Hanover Empire, right? That's much later, right? The Hanoverians coming in and the idea of the charter and that's when Shelley writes about it, right? And uh, Blake writes about it. So that's uh, in a much later uh, century, right? Yeah. So, uh, this at, so at this point of time, we get an England which is very disorganized. The structures of feudalism are dying away. The structure of society is still in flux, which is something that is with all societies, right? Yeah. If you see, uh, if you talk about the structure of India, if you minus the political, right, which is not easy to do, and it's, I'm not even suggesting that we can do it, right? But if we try to do that, right, and we talk about the social structures, right, will we be able to do that, right? So that's something that has to be considered, right? So the idea of how do the structures work? What are the structures, right? Yeah, and uh, how the structures overlap, right? And then you have the structure of the church, right? Which is important because you have the churchmen coming and running the house of the lords in Chaucer's day and also Caxton's day because they are trained people. They know accounting, right? They know how to manage properties, right? And that's why they get all this kind of privilege. And we can think also about the last chapter that we read that is about uh, the, the Archbishop of Canterbury being uh, made a chancellor, right, uh, of England, right, which is a very, very high post, and holding two posts, that's the chancellor and the idea of the archbishop, right, yeah, so uh, that's uh, important because these are people who learned, who, who were well read, right, because they had been sent and trained, right, and we have also the idea that many people joined the priesthood 
so that they can get an education, right? So that they can be trained, right? And uh, they are managed. So the priests are not only priests, but the priests, uh, they're not only Gujaris, or they don't perform only the rituals, right? But they also do other things, right? Like, for instance, they 